The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Hi, welcome to Caught Between Generations. Thank you for joining us today. I know how busy and overwhelmed and sometimes stressed you are as a caregiver, so I really appreciate your taking the time to listen to us today. So Dr. Michael Bruce joins us today. Dr. Bruce is a clinical psychologist and the author of The Power of When. And Dr. Bruce states, and I'm actually going to quote something from his book for you, the key to unlocking your potential is to get back in sync with your natural rhythm. It's time to stop worrying about what to do. It's time to stop worrying about how to do it. It's time to begin focusing on when to do it. And thus, it is the power of when. Dr. Bruce is on the Clinical Advisory Board of the Dr. Oz Show and is a regular contributor to the show. And I actually, uh, I want to tell you something personal. I actually recently had the honor of meeting Dr. Bruce at the CES Technology Show in January. Now, he is an internationally recognized... I'm sorry, Dr. Bruce. I just wanted to say this one thing about meeting you. So here you are, this internationally recognized sleep expert. I mean, you have unbelievable standing and recognition throughout the world. And yet I will tell you, listeners, that Dr. Bruce is just one of the kindest and most gracious people I I really have ever met. So it's such an honor to have you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk to this really, you know, interesting group of people, your audience, you know, caregivers, there's a lot of data looking at caregiver sleep and how it's affected. And, you know, we spent some time together at CES, which was a lot of fun. So I'm just excited to have the opportunity to talk with your audience and uh, have a great conversation. Oh, thank you. So, Dr. Bruce, why don't you describe to us what is a chronotype? So this is interesting. So everybody has a genetically predetermined uh, sleep schedule. Uh, it ha- it's called your circadian rhythm, and the chronotype is the is the particular rhythm that your body, um, from a genetic standpoint, is doing. So it's kind of fascinating when you think about it. But um, it's all based on something called the PER3 gene, and this is a gene that, in particular, uh, the length of this gene and the width of this gene determines your overall level of sleep drive. It also determines the timing of when you want to sleep. Now, many people may not have heard of the idea of a chronotype before, but I'm pretty sure everybody out there has probably heard of being either an early bird or a night owl. It turns out that those are two of the top chronotypes that are out there. 
Well, actually, you have four different chronotypes. Can, can you just briefly describe them for us? Of course. So early bird, I call these people my lions. So these are the people that have a tendency to get up around 5.30 in the morning, get tired around 8.30 at night. These are my COOs, my kind of type A personalities. These are the people out there who are kind of the managers, the go-go-goers. They make a list every morning and go from A to B to C to D, very structured in their thinking. But at 8 o'clock at night, they are done. They don't want to go out. They don't want to have dinner and a movie. They want to go to bed. Uh, my bears are in between. These are the people that get up around 7.30, go to bed around 10.30. And, you know, the world lives on a bear's schedule, roughly 50 5-0% of people are bears. Only about 15% are the lions, the one I was just talking about. <laughs> and when you look at bears, it is a bear's world, you know. We go to work at the time that bears like to work. We get home at the time that bears like to get home. These are my extroverts. These are the people that you love to have lunch with because they've got a great story to tell. They're fun to hang out with. They're just generally good overall people. They have a really good sense of work-life balance. Uh, which can be important for them as well. My next chronotype are my wolves. Now, I happen to fall into this category personally. A wolf is more of a night owl. I rarely go to bed before midnight, um, and that's what we like to do. We have a tendency to be more introverted than, um, than extroverted, and, uh, but we also tend to be very creative. Uh, my, my wolves are, generally speaking, my artists, my authors, my actors, my musicians, um, we usually come late to the party, but once we get there, we usually find a group of people that we like, and then you can't shut us up. We're very loyal friends, and we, and we really enjoy the nighttime, which really can be a hazard because most people think that we're lazy when, in fact, it's just that our bodies don't want to be up in the early morning hours. The final chronotype is called the dolphin, and the reason I chose dolphins in particular is most people don't know this, but dolphins sleep with only half of their brain at a time. The other half is awake and looking for predators. And I thought this was a good representation of my people who are my problem sleepers. My dolphins have a tendency to be my problem children. Um, while they are type A personalities, sometimes they're a little on the neurotic side or the obsessive compulsive side. And this can cause problems because they might get in their own way in terms of completing projects. They usually have a fairly irregular sleep schedule, oftentimes they're self-diagnosing with different chronic illnesses and things of that nature. And so all of this is backed up by over 350 different studies out there looking at chronotypes and sort of how do they function uh, at night, but most importantly, how do you deal with your chronotype during the day? One of the things that I did discover was the idea that once you know what your chronotype is, then you know what your hormone distribution is at almost any point in time during the day. It turns out that there is a perfect time of day to do just about anything, and it's all based on your chronotype. So in order to find out whether you are a dolphin or a lion or a bear or a wolf, you have a quiz um, in your book called the Biotime Quiz. And and actually, I'm going to tell people, you can also find it at www.thepowerofwhenquiz.com. So can you tell us a little bit about the quiz? Yeah, so the quiz is all based on a lot of different areas. So it's going to ask you some questions that you might not really think have a lot to do with sleep. It might ask you you questions like, were you good in school? It might ask you questions like, are you introverted or extroverted? 
Uh, if I ask you your schedule, if, if you could take a test or do an activity, what would be your preferred time of day? It's about 35 questions. The first 10 are true, false, and then the, the last 25 are multiple choice. And it's fairly easy to take. It'll take you less than two minutes. And if you take it online at thepowerofwhenquiz.com, what you will learn is you'll get a full report. You'll learn all about your chronotype. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll even get the book. Well, actually, it's very, very interesting because um, at the end of the book, you have master clocks that will tell you, depending on what chronotype you are, when you should do certain things. So I actually took the quiz in preparation for um, the interview and upon reading the book. I thought it was very, very interesting. I thought it was so interesting that I gave it to my husband and I asked him to take the quiz, which he did. I'm a bear. Actually, he's a wolf, actually. Um, uh-huh. And I said to him, you know, I'm looking at your master clock, Frank, and his name, and, and I think you ought to change what you're doing during the day because I think maybe you're really out of sync, all right? And he was like, right. Rrr, you know, husbands and wives. He was like, <laughs> and I said, no, I think you really ought to just give it a shot for one week. Well, he's been doing this for one week, and it's been unbelievable. He has loved oh, it. I mean, he feels so much better. He, he he feels great. I mean, even things like opening up the blinds and getting more light earlier in the day has, has really awesome. helped him tremendously. That's fantastic. I love it when I hear that. So your journey is very similar to what we see happen quite a bit. Is one person takes the quiz, and then they say, oh, my gosh, I've got to get all my family members to take the quiz. So it becomes a lot of fun for people. Um, it's an engaging activity for the whole family. A lot of times... I recommend that people, um, not only their bed partner take the quiz, but other family members like their children, things like that. Because once you know what somebody else's chronotype is, it becomes very obvious why they act the way they do, right? So as an example, if your husband is a wolf and you're a bear, your husband probably doesn't like to speak very much early in the morning hours, whereas you might be kind of chipper, not as much as a lion probably, but you start to learn, oh, okay, he's still, his brain is still in, you know, wolf mode, and he doesn't want to talk. But if you talk to him at 10 o'clock at night, you probably can't shut him up. Yes, that is a problem that we have, because <laughs> I, I set a rule about how I don't want to talk about business, you know, after 9 o'clock at night, and he's like, oh, let's talk about it. It's just fine. Oh, all right, we're going to have to take um, a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Dr. Bruce about the connection between chronotype and three major things in our life. We're going to talk about weight, sex, and coffee and chocolate. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is 
requires less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We're here with Dr. Michael Bruce. He is one of only 163 psychologists in the world with his credentials and distinctions. He's a diplomat of the American Board of Sleep Medicine and a fellow of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. And we are discussing his groundbreaking work on chronotypes uh, from his book, The Power of When. So, Dr. Bruce, we want to ask you about Depending on your chronotype, and I know you can't discuss every chronotype on the show, but what is your thought about how at least knowing my chronotype would help me lose weight? So it's kind of fascinating, but it teaches you a lot about when your body's metabolic rate is at its highest. And so, like, as an example, if you are a lion or somebody who's an early, early morning person, we know that your metabolism actually kicks in much earlier than most other people's metabolism. So having your largest meal of the day in the morning can actually be a very good idea. Whereas, for example, if you're a wolf, like you said, uh, you told me in the break that your husband is, um, then his biggest meal might be better off to have not at breakfast because wolves are terrible at eating breakfast, by the way. They hate it. It might be better off for him to eat at lunch. There was a really interesting study that uh, was done looking at rodents. And what they did was they put three different types of rodents, all the same rodents, uh, in three different cages. And they gave them a dish of food with exactly the same amount of food in each dish. One group was allowed to eat at whenever they want, at will. So 24 hours a day they could nibble, whatever. One group, they were only given food for a 12-hour time span. The other group was only given food for an 8-hour time span. The group that could eat whenever they want, and remember, this is the exact same calories in every single one. This went on for 30 days. The group that could eat whenever they wanted gained weight. The group that ate only in that 12-hour period maintained weight, and the group that ate in an 8-hour period lost weight. And these are identical rodents having identical input of food. So it was really interesting to look at timing of eating, and if we can understand our chronotype, and then keep our timing straight, you would be shocked at your ability to lose weight without even changing that much of your diet. Oh, I have to try this. Okay. I, I, that is really fascinating. So so let's talk about coffee. And usually when you bring up the subject with coffee, people are like, oh, they're going to tell me that I shouldn't drink coffee, all right? Oh, or no, half chocolate. But that. that's, 
Right. I, I thought that was great. In your book, it's like, no, you can do that. I'm like, oh, thank you, Dr. Bruce. But that is, you're right, that's not the conversation we're going to have. But the conversation we're going to have, I thought that was so interesting. Actually, a lot of things were really interesting in your book. But when is the best time of, of day to have coffee or to have your first cup of coffee, actually? Sure. So this is fascinating research. Um, so first of all, a couple of things that people need to know just about the anatomy of how you wake up is your ability to wake up is based on two hormones. One is adrenaline, the other is cortisol. Both of those rise in your system at the last part of your sleep to help pull you into a state of unconsciousness. So that's important to know right there. Second of all, what's really interesting is that if you compare caffeine to cortisol and caffeine to adrenaline, it's like comparing cocaine to weak tea, okay? The, the severity or the powerfulness of that substance is very, very different. So when people drink coffee as the very first thing that they drink in the mornings, they're, all they're doing is adding weak tea. It's not going to do what you want it to do. However, there is a natural occurrence where, in fact, cortisol and adrenaline begin to fade approximately 90 minutes after you wake up. So if you wake up at 6.30, then around 8, 8.30 is when cortisol is naturally starting to drop. When you have this natural drop, that's when it gets really interesting really quickly because if you add caffeine then, it will actually naturally lift that cortisol and lift that adrenaline and you get much more of an energy boost than you ever would have. The best thing for you to drink right as you wake up in the morning is water, and here's why. Most people don't know this, but in fact... Um, you lose approximately one liter of water every single night while you sleep, breathing it out in your breath. So I'm constantly telling people, we got to get you hydrated, hydrate, hydrate, and then have your coffee, right? For example, when you get to work or on your drive-in or something along those lines, you will find that it is far more effective from an energy perspective than it ever would be by drinking it straight out of the gate. And you, you reduce the overall amount of caffeine that you're putting into your system. Remember, caffeine has no nutritional value whatsoever. Um, it's merely a stimulant. So my last question, at least for this for this part of the show about when, is you've kind of alluded to there's a better time to wake up and a better time to go to sleep, depending on yeah. your chronotype. Can you Can you describe that a little bit more? Of course. So what's fascinating about this is, again, based on once you know what your chronotype is, your, your internal genetics wants to go to sleep at very particular times. Um, this is called your circadian rhythm. This has been a well-studied phenomenon for the last 20, 25 years. But one of the things that's been fairly recent in our understanding of chronotypes is that not everybody needs to go to bed at the same time. And by the way, not everybody needs to wake up at the same time. Um, we've kind of forced ourselves to do that because of social ramifications. So whether that's getting up for work or getting our kids ready for school or what have you. And so there should be some variability in not only the time you go to sleep, but the time you wake up. So as an example, as a lion, you're going to want to go to bed significantly earlier, probably in the 9 to 9.30 range, whereas if you're a bear, you're going to probably be going to bed around 10, 10.30, and as a wolf, it might be as late as 11.30 or 12. Subsequently, your wake-up times should vary as well. Now, that's easy to say and not always so easy to do, 
because, of course, we've got other different, you know, things that are going on in our lives, like taking care of uh, family members or going to school or going to work. So you have to kind of work within the limits of what you can do. But I'll tell you an interesting story. I had a patient who kind of kicked off all of this where she came to me and she said she had terrible insomnia. It took her a couple of hours to fall asleep. And I said, well, let's try a couple of different techniques and nothing was working. So I said, well, if you could have your druthers, what time would you go to sleep and what time would you wake up? And she said, Michael, if I could go to bed at 1 a.m. and wake up at 9 a.m., I would be perfect. So I called her boss and I said, I want to run an experiment just for 10 days and see what happens. And he said, I'm glad you're doing this because she, I'm about to fire her. And I said, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And he said, she can't get to work on time. She falls asleep in meetings. Her work product is terrible. I, I, I don't know what's wrong, but if this sleeping thing can help with any of that, I think she's a good person and I want to keep her on staff. So we changed her times of going to work and coming and going home. And within 10 days, I called back her boss and he said, I don't know what you did, but you literally changed everything about her. Not only is she showing up at the new time correctly, but she's participating in meetings. She's, she's, her work product is improved. It's fantastic. I'm going to keep her on staff. So I called her up to tell her the good news, and her husband picked up the phone, and he said, I need to tell you something. You know, Dr. Bruce, I like my wife more. And I thought, wow, that is a powerful wow. statement to make. Right? I like my mm -hmm. wife more. You usually don't hear somebody say something like that. And what he was referring to was the fact that now that he understood that she was not a morning person, that she was a night person, he would ask her questions at night, not in the morning. And he found that they were getting along better, that the children were getting along better. It really worked out to be quite fascinating. So understanding your chronotype and then adhering to a bedtime that's at least close to your chronotype can really be very impactful. You know, I actually, in, in listening to you, I'm beginning to realize just how important it is not only to understand your own chronotype, but to share that with the people around you um, sure. and how much it can really help communication and relationships between people. It, you know, part of the problem um, that I see often in the work situation is generational differences. So you have, you know, boomers who, you know, in, especially in corporate America, you know, you're judged on who's the first one to show up and who's the last one to leave. Um, yeah. And then you have millennials who are more committed, you know, they work hard and they have a good, great work ethic, but, you know, family is very important to them in terms of they feel as though they need to have time to spend with them. I mean, do you see right. that type of issue um, around sleep and work in your practice? And what advice do you usually give to people? Well, I do see that, and it's interesting because I do see generational differences um, for people. And one of the things that we've discovered is by, by identifying your chronotype, a lot of people have found that it can be very, very helpful for them. So, you know, it's, it's quite fascinating. You know, the first thing I have people do is take the quiz because once you take the quiz, you, you've got the information of what you are. And then if there are certain activities, obviously the book is a great resource for learning more about that, but at the same time, some of it becomes very common sense. And so as soon as you realize that, hey, I'm a lion, let's say, and my partner is a wolf, wow, all of a sudden things become much more clear and uh, relationships change in very unique ways. It's, it's actually a lot of fun. 
So let's talk about for a minute while we're on work issues, kind of the scourge of my life, uh, and that is emails. So is there a, I know, I hate these emails. So is there actually a best time to, to look at emails? So it turns out that within 24 hours of receiving an email, if you haven't looked at it, your, your ability to respond to it drops pretty dramatically. Um, there are certain times where it's better to look at email than others in terms of you being able to get that information into your brain and then be able to do something with it. Um, so one of the things I tell people all the time is it, doesn't, it shouldn't be the first thing that you do in the morning, right? So you wake up, get ready, maybe you exercise, depending again upon your chronotype. But then probably about two and a half to three hours, right around the time where after you've had that first cup of coffee, if you start looking at your email then, your brain is more interested in the details of, of that um, at that point in time. And so that's one of the things that you really kind of think through those ideas. Again, it's a little bit different for chronotype, but generally speaking, approximately two and a half to three hours after you've... Um, you've woken up is the perfect time to start reading email. Now, it's kind of interesting is sending email um, turns out to be interesting as well because when it hits somebody's inbox, are they likely to look at it or are they not likely to look at it? That, that can have some different ramifications as well. So is there a difference between, you know, personal emails and things like Facebook versus, you know, work-related emails? Oh, absolutely there is. I mean, as far as just an interest level, um, depending upon what frame of mind you're in or what's kind of going on in your day, absolutely there's a difference. Um, I also find that there's a difference um, in, um, in response rate, right? And so if somebody's sharing with you a personal story um, or sending you a picture on Facebook or something along those lines, you have a far greater likelihood of um, answering it, of paying attention to it, and kind of putting it into your memory banks, whereas... Um, a lot of people, they only like to do work email at work. <laughs> and I can understand that. I mean, I can certainly appreciate that. Unfortunately, sometimes I end up having to do email in the evenings um, uh, when I would rather be spending time uh, doing more personal things. So, yeah, it absolutely right. has a difference. All right. We have to take a break. We're talking to Dr. Michael Bruce. When we come back, uh, we're going to be asking a little bit more about seniors and the sleep changes that they experience. We're also going to be talking about uh, when's the best time to have sex because I have my entire office waiting for this answer and I need them to get back to work. So (laughs) we're going to ask them as soon as we get back. Stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Do you understand what really needs to be done for your health? Or like many, are you mostly letting what you hear and see in today's media dictate your healthy lifestyle? It's time to get focused. There is a reason why cancer, heart disease, chronic fatigue, hypothyroidism, and other illnesses are running rampant in our world. 
Ganino Wellness Radio with Dr. John and Linda Ganino will show you that there are easy, preventative, everyday steps to get you back on track. Listen live every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We are here talking to Dr. Michael Bruce, who is also known as the Sleep Doctor. We're discussing his book, The Power of When, which I really urge you to to just purchase and buy because it, it's so valuable. Going online for the quiz is great, but I really would urge you um, to buy the book. I think it'll not only impact you personally, but if you share it with other people, as Dr. Bruce has suggested, and as I have done in my own life, you'll find that it will really impact your relationship. Um, and make your communications better. So Dr. Bruce's other books I wanted to tell you are The Sleep Doctor's Diet Plan, Lose Weight Through Better Sleep and Good Night, and The Sleep Doctor's Four-Week Program to Better Sleep and Better Health, which actually is an Amazon 100 top bestseller book. So you may want to take a look at that also. So Dr. Bruce, my staff is waiting for this answer, (laughs) all right? (laughs) The world is waiting, but my staff is waiting. So they want to know, when is the best time to have sex? <laughs> so this is the number one question that I am asked on every interview, which is it's hilarious, but it's important. So a couple of pieces of information that I'll tell people. So first of all, roughly 72% of people have sex somewhere between 10.30 and 11.30 at night. Um, this is not because this is a particularly desirous time. It's really based on convenience. Um, what ends up happening is you're lying next to somebody. You don't have nearly as many clothes on as you did before. Uh, you look over at them and say, hey, you interested? They say, ah, sure, why not? And there you go, right? That's a very different experience than somebody who has real passion, has real connection and things like that. So that's step number one is understanding kind of the reasoning behind why people have a tendency to have sex. Um, between 10.30 and 11.30 at night. Now, here's the fact that I think is so fascinating. We know that we need certain hormones in order to actually perform the physical act of sex, right? We need testosterone, progesterone, estrogen. Uh, we need adrenaline and cortisol all to be on the higher side, and we need stuff like melatonin to be on the lower side. Well, I'll give you one guess what happens to all of those hormones at 10.30 at night. They drop. Exactly. <laughs> they are all at their lowest, and melatonin is at its highest. Like, I can't think of a worse time to have sex than 11 o'clock at night. So, you heard it here. The sleep doctor is recommending that you try Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. Try having sex with your partner. <laughs> you will be very surprised that not only your performance will be better, but your connection to that person will also improve pretty significantly. Um, if it's a little dicey because you've got kids running around the house at Saturday morning, then an early evening one, uh, somewhere between 6 and 7 o'clock at night, maybe as late as 7.30, 
can actually work equally as effectively. Uh, so just don't be surprised, but try having sex in the early morning hours, and you will be shocked at how much more enjoyable it is. Actually, you have a delightful story. It's not a story. It's factual in your book um, about a couple that began having sex early in the morning before their kids got up. And it was just delightful to read about how it was great. And, they, you know, it was kind of like, you know, it was the forbidden thing they were doing in the morning. And so it was so much fun and made them feel young again. I mean, it was a, it was one of the great stories in your books. So let me get back. It's so true because it's, it's not a time that people really think about doing that. And so it's fun. It's a little sneaky. It's, a, it's kind of sexy. Like, there's a lot of fun stuff that can go with it. So let me get back to a more kind of um, um, different kind of topic in terms of sleep. And that is the one that's troublesome. And that, and that is seniors who I deal with, obviously, a lot have a lot of trouble sleeping. You know, as they age, they seem to have more and more problems. It's it's the sure. number one complaint about seniors. And, right. and so why is that? So there's a couple of reasons why that is. So first of all, let's talk about it from an anatomical perspective. So what's interesting is when you look at the brain of somebody who's in the 55-plus age range, they actually don't have the same kind of sleep that they had when they were 30. In fact... The way we measure sleep is through something called EEG or brainwave. And there's a very particular kind of brainwave called delta sleep. Delta sleep is that wake up and feel great, physically nourishing sleep that we all crave and that we all get each night. Well, it turns out that once you hit that kind of 55 age range, uh, believe it or not, the strength of the delta wave begins to diminish. Um, We don't 100% know why that is, but one of the other things that happens is your ability for your brain to produce melatonin diminishes as well in that age range. So not only do you have not as powerful a brain wave going on, but you also don't have nearly the amount of melatonin, which, remember, is that key that starts the engine for sleep. And so from a chronotype standpoint, one of the things that I notice in my folks who are in that age range and older is their chronotype has a tendency to change. They move into more of a lion or an early morning, early evening person or into a dolphin uh, where they don't have a very good sleep pattern or sleep schedule. Also, I think some of it has to do with becoming more medically frail and more medications on board, which, of course, can have side effects, including insomnia or sleepiness. So what do you suggest? I mean, um, I really don't like Ambien and, medica- and some of those medications. So what can people sure. do? So one of the things that I've had some success with, and before I say this, you need to ask your doctor if it's okay with other medications or different things that are going on with you, but melatonin supplementation actually makes a lot of sense for my seniors. Again, because we know that melatonin production begins to decline as we age, getting somewhere between a half and one milligram, maybe even as much as one and a half milligram, approximately 90 minutes before your bedtime. So listen carefully. The dosage is between a half and one and a half milligrams, 90 minutes before bedtime, can actually be very effective in helping people um, keep their sleep schedule on task. That would be one thing I would do. The second thing I tell people to do is stay active. There is a tremendous amount of data to suggest that the more active you are, especially as you get into the upper age range in the 55 and up, that that helps promote 
deeper and more consistent sleep. And by the way, consistency turns out to be factor number three. You really need to make sure that you're going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time because your body craves consistency. And the more consistent you are, the more likely you are to not only fall asleep but to fall into a deeper phase of sleep. So is there any research on uh, the relationship between melatonin and use of, uh, in, for instance, patients who have Alzheimer's disease and are sundowning? So it's interesting. Sundowning is fascinating because one of the, one of the treatments for sundowning is light therapy. So we know that when they're not getting enough light later in the evening, it changes their melatonin production. So we oftentimes are using light boxes for people to help regenerate and stop that melatonin production. So the answer to your question is probably, but the, the prescribed therapy that's most uh, used these days is light therapy using a light box. Now, by the way, light boxes are commercially available. They're not that hard. You can find them on Amazon for about somewhere between 150 and $200. So we were talking about seniors. I want to kind of switch to the other end of the sure. of the lifespan. And and we know, for instance, that babies are born with a certain temperament. You know, the research tells right. us that. So oh, yeah. are infants are infants born with a certain chronotype? So all infants are lions when they're born um, because they go to bed early and they wake up super early, and and it will change once they go into the sort of the toddler. Uh, at middle school age range, they kind of become bears, and then when they hit teenage years, they become wolves. I have a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old, and I can tell you that it's terrible trying to get them to go to sleep at night. They, sometimes they might not go to sleep till 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and if I let my son or my daughter sleep in on the weekends, they could sleep till noon easily um, because their whole chronology or their biological clock is very, very different. Now, that being said, your chronotype has a tendency to set around 18 to 20 years old, and then it stays there until you're about 45 or 50. Hmm. Okay. So let's get back to kind of the the concerns about seniors for a minute. So the, the two concerns I hear the most from the seniors are issues of memory, and the second issue I hear a lot about is money. So I, I get asked all the time about, you know, you know, I'm really scared about getting Alzheimer's disease. You know, what do I do to, right, you right, know, right. make sure that I don't get it? And how do I make my memory better? And, of course, one of the answers to that is to keep learning something new, not to keep doing crossword puzzles that you've been doing for 10 years or 20 years, right. but to learn something new. So when is the best time, do you think, to learn something new? So that is also a little bit based on chronotype. But it turns out that the early evening, especially for people who are in the senior age range can be a very effective time to learn something new. Um, and by early evening, I'm talking somewhere between 4 and 6 o'clock. Um, that turns out to be a great time for many, many people to be learning something new. Also, stimulating your brain at that period of time can actually be good because it can help keep you awake a little bit longer. As we know, a lot of seniors do have a, at least a tendency to want to go to bed significantly earlier. And that, of course, can, uh, can interfere with all. Oh, all kinds of different things. So that's one of the things that I'm oftentimes talking to people about is, hey, if you're going to learn something new, try it in the early evening. Now, the other point of of reference is it's not just one time of day where you could do that. There's a second time, and that's around between about 10.30 and about 11.30. It turns out that that's also another great time to be learning something new. So, you know, if you can section off those times of the day to 
read an article from a, on a new topic area or, um, you know, do a different activity or reach out and uh, go have lunch with somebody that you haven't had lunch with in a while. Those are all times that will be good and stimulating for you and can be very, very helpful in terms of progressing your memory and things of that nature. Okay, we've been talking to Dr. Michael Bruce about his book, The Power of When. When we come back, we're going to ask him about social jet lag, and we're also going to talk to him a little bit about outside factors um, that affect us, like seasonal affective disorder and travel. Um, I, I heard him have a great conversation about how he cures his jet lag, even when he's traveling internationally. So I'd like him to share that with you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-Care.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill, and we're here with Dr. Michael Bruce, the author of The Power of One, Discover Your Chronotype, and the best time to eat lunch, ask for a raise, have sex, write a novel, take your meds, and more. Um, So, Dr. Bruce, you do talk about, you use the term um, social jet lag in your book. Can you explain that to us? So, it's kind of this interesting phenomenon that has a tendency to occur is where people will have a steady sleep schedule during the week, and then on the weekends they stay up late on Friday, sleep in on Saturday, stay up late on Saturday, sleep in on Sunday. And believe it or not, by only sleeping in by an extra 30 minutes, your entire circadian clock wants to shift, and you end up shifting or creating a time zone difference, what we call social jet lag. So you end up pushing your body into a different time zone, and then come Monday morning or even Sunday night, People end up with what we call Sunday night insomnia, um, where they can't fall asleep, and Monday mornings are terrible. So that's what we call uh, social jet lag, and uh, it's actually more common than you might imagine. 
Actually, it's interesting you say that because I personally, I've always felt like, you know, everyone always wants to take Fridays off. I hate taking Fridays off. I'd much rather take Mondays <laughs> off because um, I and then I come back to the rest of the I week. Agree. I've really if I if I could take off every Monday, you know, I'd work Tuesday through Saturday with. Well, I do that anyway without a problem. Let's talk about kind of outside factors. So let's talk a little bit about seasonality, things like the effect of the moon, the seasonal affective disorder. Um, I mean, do you, do, you, do you think these, how do they affect us? Well, so first of all, it, a lot of it has to do with light and how does light affect us? Because remember, light turns on or off the melatonin faucet in your brain. And so understanding that becomes a very big factor. Um, and seasonal affective disorder is also known as the winter blues. Uh, and we know that one of the treatments for that is actually light therapy. So being able to have light on in the mornings helps rejigger or reset that circadian clock. And that can be of paramount importance to people when they're trying um, to, to deal with this seasonal affective disorder. And by the way, this is not... This is a real disorder, okay? There's, there is documented evidence. This is in the DSM. This is definitely something that is real for people that they need to understand and really kind of get a hold of in, in terms of the idea. And the nice part is, is that something as simple as light can really help a person out in terms of giving them better energy, lower that level of depression, and help them be much more productive. So what are your suggestions for travel? I mean, there's obviously long travel like like you do over, let's say, to Asia or Europe, but there's also East Coast to West Coast. And right. and personally, I tell you, I've been on a plane every week for uh, the last two or three months, um, oh. just going up and down the East Coast or to the Midwest, not changing time zones. It's exhausting, and it, 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 it throws you exhausting. off. <laughs> I mean, why, why is that? What? what so what can you do? Well, there's a couple of different things that people can do. So I'm going to give you a couple of quick tips for people out there. So first of all, if you if you are traveling, remember that your direction of travel can have a pretty major effect on you. So the way I think about it is east is least and west is best. So when you travel east, so say, say for example, I'm in Los Angeles and I'm traveling to New York. One of the things that we know is that when I hit New York, my body is now at a later time zone, but my brain is still in the early time zone. So asking my body to go to bed at 8 o'clock at night is never going to work, right? And so understanding that versus going from New York to Los Angeles, very different story because all I'm asking my body to do then is to stay up later, which is certainly easier for us to do. So first of all, look at which direction you're traveling in, and you'll start to learn whether or not you're going to be affected by jet lag. That's number one. Number two is every day or 24-hour period that passes um, is, in fact, well, your body will self-adjust by one time zone. So if you're only going one or two time zones away, don't worry about it. Your body will self-adjust. Number three is if you are traveling and you need to, let's say, sleep on an airplane, so you're traveling more than a few time zones or, you, or you're taking a red eye or something like that, I'm going to teach people my super secret. There's a website called SeatGuru.com. That's S-E-A-T-G-U-R-U.com. If you click on it and you punch in your airline and the flight, it will bring up a schematic of the airplane, and it will tell you which seats are the quietest, 
which ones recline the most and which ones are best for sleep. So that's my super secret that I'm, I'm telling to all of your audience members that is a great way to be able to help you fall asleep on an airplane. Now, that being said, if you do want to fall asleep on an airplane, a couple of things that I recommend. Number one, create a sleep kit that you bring on board with you. Inside that kit should be some eye shades, some earplugs. You need to have some kind of music on your phone or on an MP3 player that's either relaxing or can help you meditate. Um, also, keep with you a small toothbrush and toothpaste and a hairbrush, and if you can, extra socks or slippers. Um, all of these turn out to be very valuable when you wake up from your nap, hopefully, that you've been able to take. A couple of don'ts on an airplane. Try to avoid alcohol, if you can, on an airplane. Um, one drink in the air is worth approximately two on the ground, and so people can get pretty tipsy pretty quickly um, in, in, uh, in, in an airplane, and so you want to be careful about that. Um, you also want to, every hour or so, stand up and stretch especially for people who are a little bit older, who have a little bit more poor circulation, you really want to make sure that you keep that blood flowing. It, our body is not meant to sit for hours and hours and hours on end. I think now they're saying that sitting is the new smoking. So an airplane travel can certainly have a lot to do with sitting around. So get up and stretch around, walk to the back of the cabin, have a casual conversation with one of the flight attendants, just something to kind of keep you going and get your blood flowing. When you do land, if you do have to have an overnight flight, see if you can land earlier in the morning, like around 9, 30, 10 o'clock, and then get outside immediately and get some sunlight. That sunlight can be incredibly helpful because, remember, that turns off the melatonin faucet, which your brain is now kind of trying to figure out where the heck am I and what can I do in order to sleep better, and it has no idea what time zone it's in. Uh, the other thing I do is right when I get on the airplane is I actually change my watch to the time of my destination. So I'm signaling myself to start thinking like I'm in that destination. Of course, another thing that you can do is the night is a couple of days before is begin going to bed either a little earlier or a little later, depending upon which direction of travel that you may be headed in. Uh, and then finally, strategic use of caffeine can be very, very helpful. Um, a lot of times I'm having people utilize caffeine once they land, if they're landing in the morning, get that sunlight with a cup of coffee, uh, you'll be surprised at how much more effective it can be for jet lag. That's very, very helpful. We only have a few minutes left, so um, this is a big question, but I wonder if you just can give us a few tips. So I've read the book. There is just lots and lots of valuable information in there, but I can't do everything at one time. So where do I start? What's your tips for how do I start making these changes in my life? So I always tell everybody that you don't want to change it all at once because you're never going to complete it. You're going to, you're going to get frustrated and you're not going to do that. So in the book itself, I actually give a plan based on your chronotype of which things to do first, but they all start with your sleep. And so once you know and understand what schedule your body needs to be on, see if you can get as close to that schedule as possible. The person that it's going to be the most difficult for are my wolves. Uh, my late night people, because they have a tendency to want to sleep in early, uh, later in the morning, and sometimes their work or uh, social commitments might not make that so possible. So if you can, negotiate with your bed partner to help get the kids up while you sleep in, or talk with your boss about maybe coming in a couple of days late. You'll be surprised at your, at your performance increase. From there, I have a tendency to have people look at their meal time. 
the more consistent you have those meal times, and if you can keep those in those blocks of time like we were talking about before, you'll be pleasantly surprised at how effective your metabolism is working. From there, you can actually do um, a couple of different things um, that are going on. Um, as an example, one of the things that we know is um, people have a tendency to like to shift the time of sex, which we talked about before, shift their time of coffee, or even shift their time of exercise. So it's a lot of fun. It's, a, it's very interesting, but don't go overboard because it will turn into, you know, misery, not necessarily productivity. Dr. Michael Bruce, it has been great having you. How, how do we get more information? Tell us about your website. Sure. So uh, one of the first things um, that I tell people about is check out thepowerofwhenquiz.com. Um, you can take the quiz for free, and there's a little pop-up that comes, and you can join my email list. Um, one of the things I always recommend for people to do is to join the email list. I don't bombard you with email. You probably get maybe three a month, but it's always about different pieces of studies that I've learned about or information. Um, some of it is specific to people's chronotypes. Sometimes I have uh, offers in there for summits and videos that people can get to. So check it out there, or you can go to my main website, which is the sleepdoctor.com. It's Dr. Michael Bruce, B-R-E-U-S, The Power of When. And I'm Dr. Burrell. I hope you'll continue listening to us on Voice America, Caught Between Generations. And I love when you comment and you listen to us on Facebook Live. We have so much fun doing that. Remember to take really good care of yourself because in order to keep taking such good care of others, you have to take really good care of yourself. You're very important to a lot of people around you. So take good care and have a good week. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.